everybody this is episode number 32 of the baby mama's podcast back in the hatch and i had this idea to start the show off in this like ridiculous hilarious way last week and then now i feel like i can't do that because we're just going to talk about orlando for a bit and it would feel really awkward to be like and then be like oh yeah and also let's get serious so i don't know i don't even know where to start that's, I think, the whole problem. I think I'm not. I'm not going to assume to sp- like. I'm not going to attempt to speak for everybody in the queer community, but uh, the people I know in my community that I've spoken to recently, we all kind of feel devastated, but also really like that sort of. Where do we start? How do you? How do you explain how you feel to people who don't get it? How do you? explain how you feel to yourself how do you comprehend sort of what what this means and how personal it feels um even though it didn't happen to you it didn't even necessarily happen in your country it still feels like it happened to all of us yeah in a way um and I've had a really hard time with this like a really really hard time this week yeah it's been it's been difficult for sure to, I don't know, it's just, it's, I mean, you always know that there are people out there who want you to die or don't want you to get married or No, I don't have think homophobic. you always know that. I, think, I do. I think most people. How do you people, forget that? It's not about forgetting about it. It's about, especially people younger than us, they take for granted that they have this freedom, that the world doesn't see them as an other, you know? gay marriage is legal in the in America like I think a lot of people younger than us really are probably more devastated by this than even we are because and I mean I'm obviously speaking about people in like the western world you always hear stories of like you know that being gay is illegal in certain countries and people are being killed for it but it's really different when it happens somewhere that's not that different but it is it's happening i'm not like arguing with you no i know but i think that it's happening in smaller ways and yeah and that's the thing too is that it it comes across in ways like um the transgender bathroom thing it comes across in people being so against gay marriage and yeah it passed but still there's people that are like well, I don't fucking care those fucking queers. Well, and it's there's a difference between being tolerated, which I fucking hate, and being accepted and being loved and being treated like like a human being. I, I really hate the idea that I'm something that has to be tolerated. I've had many conversations over the past week about this, and it really feels like the only people that totally get it are the queer people in my life. I don't feel like one per well... I haven't had many conversations with people 
who are not queer that seem to get the gravity of this. And I think um, a mass shooting like this is the most extreme expression of bigotry and hate, but it's, it's indicative of oppression everywhere. Yeah, it is. And that's, like it's not an accident that it was a gay bar. That was intentional. Yeah, yeah. And definitely. to sweep it under the rug as just terrorism, which is like also terrifying just by itself, but it's not just terrorism. It wasn't really. I mean, it, it could still be considered terrorism, I think, by definition, sure. But the bigger pic- the bigger issue is that it was ho- fueled by hate, by homophobia. And some people seem to have an idea that because he might have been gay himself, that that makes it OK or that it's not homophobia somehow. I think it makes it worse. Yeah, there's um, I don't know what, where this came from. It was just sort of like floating around on the Internet. But it was this sort of meme. And it says, you say, how could this tragedy happen? It happened because Omar Mateen's hate was born and bred in America, not overseas. Just two weeks ago, you were calling trans women child predators. One year ago, you were saying that our marriages shouldn't be recognized. Six years ago, you were saying that gay men and women couldn't die for their country. Ten years ago, you told us that we didn't deserve job protections. Thirteen years ago, you took Lawrence versus Texas to decriminalize our sex lives. Eighteen years ago, you took Matthew Shepard. Twenty-three years ago, you took Brandon Tina. Thirty-six years the American government began their five years of silence as 10,000 gay men were massacred by the AIDS virus. 43 years ago, we were still considered mentally ill. And 47 years ago, the riots of Stonewall began. For centuries, this country has bred homophobia into our histories, into our schools, and into the fabric of society. Omar Mateen was the product of hate. America taught him this and sold him the gun to do it. That's the thing. like, And that's why I say, like, I never forget that people want us to die. Maybe it's because I read more stuff on the internet and I'm obsessed with the Duggars who fucking hate gay people. But I, it's, it's not something that I'm suddenly, I'm like, oh yeah, right. It's just like, yep, that's. But knowing it and actually seeing examples of it are different. Do you know what I mean? It's not that I ever thought that like, oh, everyone loves us. But I think there actually are probably a lot of people in the world younger than us in their 20s who weren't aware or hadn't really let that information sink into their head to acknowledge that, yes, we are part of a community that a lot of people in this world want dead. And that's a really weird thing to try and um, accept because it's just like, I, I, I just keep thinking like it could have happened to me. It could have been me if I was just somewhere else. Yeah. Somewhere. You used to work in a gay bar. I you used, used to, to work, work in, in one bar. of those places. I mean, no, we're not in the, we're in Canada. We're not in the States. We have better gun laws, but there was it could a, still happen. a hate crime that happened at your pub yeah. not that long ago. Yeah. That ended up basically one of our, cu- one of our customers was assaulted and had suffered permanent brain damage as a result of a hate crime as a result of homophobia like it's not that far from my life ever it never really has been but um i think the part that's the hardest the hardest for me right now is realizing that um i don't think my family understands what this is like and i 
I don't expect them to fully understand because you can't really understand something if it's not something that you're going to experience or that you have experienced. But but empathy is a thing, you know, and Aunt and I have been saying all week, like nobody in our families have said anything about this. They, I haven't seen them say anything on on social media. They haven't commented to us in our... We have, like, a family chat. There, there has been no discussion whatsoever. And I tried to bring it up today, and it went so poorly. I just... I don't know how to reconcile feeling supported in my family and also feeling like like they can be there for me emotionally um and if I didn't have the queer relationships in my life that I do I don't know how I would really be kind of getting through this week because it's really it's really devastating yeah well it's because they haven't had to face or they have it's not in their face that there are people that want you to die there's nothing no lifestyle if you want to call it that that they leave that that they lead that is a political talking point that is something that is a civil rights issue is something that people are getting killed for and there were people on twitter just to like drive this point home and like trigger warning to everybody because some of the things they say are is fucking horrible but these are actual tweets from real people that live in the western world this isn't like some random country where they kill gay people this is uh, this is, I'm assuming, in the States. No, this is in America where they kill gay people. Yeah. Florida Pulse Gay Club attacked. I'm so happy someone decided to start shooting perverts instead of innocent people. 50 gay people died in a nightclub. That's what you call effective shooting. Good. <laughs> Shit. Gays don't deserve to live. The only good thing about the Orlando shooting was that it was a gay club. So less gays in the world today. I wake up to some dude shooting up a gay nightclub. Isn't that weird? Homosexuality is condemned by God, so that's why he let that happen, people. God opened his armory to deal with the proud fags of America. 20 dead in mass shooting in Orlando. As an individual, I would like to congratulate and give a thumbs up to the brother who killed filthy gays okay, enough. at Orlando. Okay, enough. Please, enough. I couldn't even read them all myself. I can't... I don't think the religious aspect of this is being talked about enough. Well, they're talking about the Islamic Yeah, well, shit. you know, Islamist, Islamic fundamentalists are not the only people that hate gay people. They're maybe the scariest, but I don't... Are they? I don't... I mean... <laughs> There's is there any more difference? attacks. I, I don't know this, but I would be happy to, like, bet money on the fact that in the States and Canada, and probably, like, the UK and other places that are westernized there's been more attacks on gay people by christians than by islamists in the the states or in canada yeah and honestly to be told that you know this happened this is just like an american problem this has nothing to do with you i was actually pretty much told that today and it's like it has everything to do with me i'm not saying that this happened directly to me i i can't even imagine what the families of the victims are going through or what the people that had to live through that that survived I I can't even imagine what they're dealing with right now 
And I'm not going to presume that trauma, but when something happens to one of us, it happens to all of us because it could have happened to any of us. And that's the point that I don't think a lot of straight people understand. It's a, one of my friends said this today and this, because all of us have been having such a hard time expressing how this feels. She said, we feel vulnerable all the time, every day. And this has just amplified that vulnerability. And that's exactly it. I feel so raw and vulnerable. And having people um, minimize this is really difficult for me. Because if you've never been in a queer space, you don't know what that means to us. You don't know what it's like to not feel like you're able to be yourself. And I mean, I I don't present as gay. I don't look stereotypically gay. So I, it's not, I don't know, it's not as hard for me to move through the world. I pass. I mean, I hate that I pass, I guess, but I guess I also benefit from it. Um, but it's still different to be in a place that is queer and safe to not have to think twice about holding your partner's hand or kissing them on the cheek because you're terrified that somebody is going to see you that wants to hurt you and is going to see that and it's going to incite some kind of rage and they're going to attack you because of it. If you are straight, you have never thought that. I mean, unless you're in another kind of minority situation, but I just don't know how to explain this to people that I love, and I don't know how to reconcile them not understanding it. It's really hurt, hurting me to not have that kind of support from my family, and I don't know if if some of them have even thought twice about it, and I think that it's not necessarily intentional. It's just complete ignorance. Like, they've never, ever experienced it. They have no... They can't kind of fathom what it would be like to feel that vulnerable, to feel that um, threatened over something that is completely out of your control. Yeah. I didn't ask to be gay. You know, if you gave me a choice, it'd be easier not to be. I'm proud that I am. And I'm proud to be out, but it would be less scary to be straight. Absolutely. Definitely. And then furthermore, the fact that the majority of the people who were in the nightclub, like they're, they were also minorities. Like it was Latino or Latina or it was Latin night. And so, so many people were Almost every single victim was a minority almost every single one yeah on top of already being like a gay minority they were either i think every victim was either latin La- latino or black yeah and that's something that i know my my queer friends of color are really struggling with too because because that's them because that's them and it's not a lot of there's not a lot of places where you see just queers of color 
they don't have as many safe queer spaces as as the general queer population do even yeah and i know that a lot of them are feeling really really terrified right now and i know i can't understand it in the way that they do but i just oh, i was waiting for dan savage to to say something about oh, this dan savage what he had to say was so good he met his husband in a gay bar and he talked a lot about how important and sacred queer spaces are and he talked about the stonewall riots and a lot of people don't understand that's what pride is pride is an annual celebration of the stonewall riots of people being attacked by police for being gay and having a gay space that is literally what it was and the majority of the people in the stonewall riots were transgendered and were people of color who were queer they started well, the it, entire gay civil rights movement wasn't it a uh, a protest it became a protest against the police raids that constantly happened because the, all those bars were run by the mob the only spaces that queer people had this is like before the internet this is before anybody had any way of knowing who else was gay because everyone was so scared they had to look straight and act straight so this was this one place that they had to go and this was in the 70s which is not that long ago you know yeah and now we have how many years later another attack in a gay bar but the thing that he said, which I really appreciated, and it is a, sh- a sign of forward movement since then, it wasn't the police attacking us. They were coming to save us. Yeah, so I don't know how many, how many straight listeners we have <laughs> who aren't... <laughs> You know, just as friends. It's a pretty niche (laughs) (laughs) podcast. But, you know, check in on your people. I'm assuming you're, you must have some sort of queer people in your life if you're listening to us. Or just check in on your friends because it it does feel selfish to reach out because that's what I was struggling with as well. I was like, God, you know, no one's said anything. And I, I was like, but it's not about me. Like, my family, my friends are all safe. Everyone that I care and love about is safe. Love about? (laughs) Everyone I love about. (laughs) Everybody that I care about and love is safe and alive. And I am so lucky that that is the case. But it could just as easily not be. That's true. But, and it's not to make it about us, but it's just because all this stuff is coming out, because you're reading in the news about like those tweets, you're reading about that preacher who came out and and said like, Oh, I wish he finished the job because of Westboro Baptist church saying you guys were asking for it because of all this stuff that then comes to the very front of the because media, of the fucking NRA telling people that it's not their fault. Yeah. And because all of this is in our newsfeed, it's, it weighs on you and it starts to like really bag you down and make you feel awful. And I was feeling awful thinking like, great, we're bringing a kid into this. You know, I, it's easy to get stuck on like a happy love train and be like, everything's wonderful and we're going to have this family and all this stuff. And to, yeah, kind of forget about the terrible things that are in the world. So just to have someone who 
is outside the circle say like, hey, this must be tough for you. We love you. We're going to support you can do so much to counteract the negative feelings that we're having and loneliness that we are feeling yeah i have been putting so many things on facebook just i think in retrospect just begging for my family or to reach out and say like hey are you okay we're here for you and it didn't happen and And i know maybe i should be able to ask but i tried that (laughs) i tried that today and oh god the thing too is like when we say it could have been us, it could have been you. Yes, that's in the past tense. But what I think a lot of people aren't thinking is that there's still a possibility that in the future it could be us. Yeah. And that's true for everyone because mass shootings are now just like the norm. But they just put out this study showing that hate crimes, that the LGBT community are the victims of hate crimes over any other minority over black people, over Jewish people, over anybody. It's LGBT. You are more likely to be attacked or to have some sort of hate crime against you. We're more you. likely to be bullied. We're more likely to be discriminated against. We're more likely to s- to kill ourselves. Our because children are killing themselves because... Because of that. Because of this entire social climate of homophobia. And it's accepted and it's okay. It's accepted... Wasn't because it at it's the fucking Republican convention that was it Ted Haggard? Ted Haggard is a shit show. That said that said that was calling for the the killing of gay people. I don't know if that was Ted Haggard, but yeah, the two of the pre- presidential know, candidates shitbag Republican went to hate mongers went to some sort of rally where the like MC of this rally was saying that gay people should be executed and Mike Huckabee and Ted Cruz were there There and they were on the docket to maybe become presidents of the United States and had no problem sitting there and listening to that and that speaks volumes yeah that's not a hate crime that's not a mass shooter but that's what breeds them is the acceptance of that language and that way of thinking the entire the entire social climate of north america where women i mean it starts with misogyny because if you think less of women that go like what does dan savage always say misogyny is like the sister of homophobia because they go hand in hand part of the reason people are so threatened by gay men especially by the reason that white straight men are so threatened by gay men is because they're effeminate because they're taking they're choosing in their mind obviously this is not my opinion but they're choosing to take on the lesser characteristics of a woman and women aren't equal and women aren't good enough so why would you want to be like them like that is the message that is the overall message and then i keep thinking like we're having a daughter and i want her to be told that she can do anything. But if you look around as a woman, just as a woman, not as a queer woman or as a minority, just as a woman, period, there are fewer women in higher positions just in the world. That is one very large message that says you can't do everything a man can do. You're not as good. You're not as capable. You're not as smart. You're not as able. And to not even be able to acknowledge that is is so messed up. There's a massive wage gap. There's there's discrimination all the time. 
women face discrimination. And if you can't even acknowledge that, then you're definitely never going to understand what queer people have to deal with. Yeah. So there's a lot of feelings going on, but it's it was amazing to see Obama acknowledging that it was attack was an attack against LGBT people when everyone else just wants to talk about terrorism. Yeah. And not to say that it wasn't, but I it That's wasn't the big it wasn't the not, I don't think it's not the point. Yeah, I don't think it was the main thing. I don't think it was his main goal because a lot of the bystanders and stuff said that he was saying more homophobic things than he was really like radicalist things. Yeah. And that he maybe was saying that he agreed with Islam because he was trying to cover up the fact that he was gay. Yeah, it sounds like his dad was... You know what? Fuck. I don't want to talk about him. I don't want to talk about him. Yeah, anyway, but also Obama seemed just, like, fucking fed up. Like, he is just done. Well, what is he supposed to do? He's been saying the same thing for years. We have a problem in America. We have a problem with guns, and we won't fix it. I want it better, but you won't let me. Yeah. What is he supposed to do? Because his speech was really good, but at the same time, you could just tell he just... He was so fucking disappointed. Like, he's just like... He said, do we want, he said something along the lines of like, do we want to be a country that allows these kinds of crimes to happen with these assault rifles and not making a decision about it is a decision as well, which is true to just be like, well, let's wait for the next one or the next one or the one after that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many shootings there are. There's been so many. A fucking elementary school wasn't enough to make people stand up and say, no, this is this isn't going to work. And I don't know, I don't fully understand American politics, but why can't Obama just do it anyway? That's because the Congress isn't going along with him. Doesn't he he have some sort of like executive directive or something? Ultimate power in some way over something so that he can protect people from themselves? I think he needs to get the Congress on his side. I don't think he has absolute power. He can elect people to Congress so that, like, generally he'll elect people that will mostly agree with him. But at the same time, there's people that have, like, I don't know how it works either, already been elected and remain there or something. Don't people just die out of Congress? (laughs) They don't ever, like, step down? I don't know. Yeah, so. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's so much talk about the gun issue. And, yeah, it is a big part of the problem. It'd be a lot harder to kill that many people if you couldn't get that kind of gun. But none of it would happen if there wasn't a climate of homophobia and that bigotry. Yeah. And And hate. Don't let other people go along with their microaggressions. Like, something as simple as a kid saying that's so gay. That shit needs to stop. If that's in your vocabulary, not that I don't understand why it would be, but I mean, it used to be in mine. Mm-hmm. back in the day but those send huge messages you think it's like oh i don't mean it that way or whatever you really need to educate but, the person who's saying that and that's kind of what dan savage was saying mm-hmm. too was like was it dan savage or was it was i listening to it somewhere else where it was basically like we can't just sit and expect that things are going to change we actually need to stand up at this point and say this homophobia transphobia this stuff is no longer acceptable 
the pride flag is not a white flag of like surrender. It's a, a flag, an indication of fighting. All of it, all of our rights, every single one of our rights we had to fight for. Nobody was out there saying, um, they seem pretty harmless. Let's give them a pass. You know, and to be a part of a community. No, I didn't have to. I, I didn't have to fight for every single one of those rights myself. But to even just be a part of a community that had to fight that hard to have the world treat us like people. Yeah. And we've been very privileged in that we haven't had intense hate crimes or anything overtly horrible done to us personally. There's definitely been things said and I've heard things and I can feel stares and whatever. And Mm -hmm. like I said, like microaggressions, little things. Yeah. But we've been very lucky in that we haven't been the victims. The fact that we even have to say that we're lucky that nobody's attacked us. Yeah. It's something that, you know, if you're not queer, you'd never have to think that, you know, somebody might want to attack me just because I'm me, just because of who I love. Yeah. So, but this week has also shown some really amazing, powerful things. I'm sure all of you are as connected to social media as we are. And there's been stories of, you know, little boys on buses asking people he think are gay if they need a hug because he's sorry that they saw that horrible thing or or that um, story of the grandmother of one of the victims taking a flight to her grandson's funeral and everybody on the plane writing her messages of love and support or or one of our friends being like fuck it I am done hiding who I am because we have nothing to be ashamed of they're killing us anyway they're killing us anyway we may as well be who we are yeah so um to our entire queer fan base, our community, our our brothers and sisters, our queer allies, we are here for you and we stand with you and we will always be here to support each other because that is the entire basis of our community, is love and support and being there for each other when our families can't do it. Yeah. And if you're feeling kind of how we were... Well, mostly, I don't know if you're feeling this way. You probably were, but just like... Well, I've been feeling everything. <laughs> <laughs> I've been feeling everything all week. Just feeling like scared for your child or your child to be or to bring a kid into this world when this kind of stuff is happening. You just have to be really set in your way that you are going to raise a kid who's not going to be like that. You're going to raise a kid who is going to be a fierce ally who's going to stand up for the rest of humanity. Because let's be honest, queer people, we're probably not going to have queer kids. <laughs> no matter what everyone keeps saying, we can't make them gay. Yeah. We just can't. <laughs> we have to outbreed them. <laughs> so, you know, your kids are going to be okay. And the good, kind, and compassionate people in the world need to breed. <laughs> yeah. Because... That's the only way to win. Mm-hmm. It is. So your kids are going to be okay. 
our kid is going to be okay. And then hopefully make some change in the world. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I really didn't want to come do this today. But they have a new policy where you can't cancel <laughs> your room bookings. I was so. like, I can't jeopardize ever being able to, able to record again just because I'm sad. And but I then, think it's important. I mean, we've been honest about how we feel about everything this whole and I've been this whole ride. So. I have been just gaining a lot of positive feelings from listening to to podcasts and have them talking about it, like the Dan them. Savage thing. Yeah, and just I don't know. So maybe someone's getting that from us. I don't know. I hope You're allowed can. to be sad. We're sad with you. But I hope that us sharing our sadness is making someone else feel a little less alone because if you don't have any allies, it feels, it can feel pretty scary. Yeah. Yes. You know what else is scary? Googling hiccuping baby in the middle of the night. <laughs> this morning I felt what I thought were hiccups, which I actually... I think was like the first time that I felt them, like the baby hiccuping, because mm-hmm. it was like this rhythmic, it was coming pretty quickly, like hiccup, hiccup, hiccup. And I was like, oh, that's really weird. And I was like, okay, I guess that's hiccup. Cool. That's cool. Oh, I wonder how long they last. Like, is this going to be a minute or whatever? The first thing that comes up when I Google how long do babies hiccup for in utero was if your baby hiccups for 10 minutes or longer it's a sign of cord compression and there's a possibility you might have a stillbirth. I've told you how many times not to Google shit. But it wasn't even like I clicked on something that was like the first thing. You know how like sometimes Google like pre... Yes. Puts in the answer or whatever. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? And then I was looking into it and lots of people were saying like, oh, that's bullshit. That's like, how do they even test that? And then a couple people were saying like, well, I had a stillbirth and... You know, my baby was hiccuping and I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, I have to be afraid of hiccups. That's a confirmation bias. So then I was trying to time it. But oh then God. I was like, why? What's no. What am I going to do? Then call the midwife and be like, my baby hiccuped for 11 minutes. Can we please get an ultrasound? Like, I don't know. Stop Googling stuff. The internet is dark and full of terrors. In the middle of the night the other night, I got a Charlie horse in my leg, which was really fun for Jackie. Oh my God. Can you imagine you're sleeping, you're dead asleep, and all of a sudden you get woken up to, ow, 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 like for so long. And I'm like, what, 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 what's wrong? Are you okay? What's happening? And she can't say anything except ow. And then she finally goes, my leg. And then I'm like, oh, God, it's a fucking Charlie horse. Like, I was terrified. I think I was even going like, ah, at one point. It was so painful. You were so loud. Oh, my God. It was excruciating, and it lasted for, like, what, 15 seconds? Oh, my God. It felt like an eternity. (laughs) It felt like an eternity to me, too. I was like, I'm going to die. This is how I die, from a muscle (laughs) cramp in my leg. And then I was thinking, like, if that is at all close to labor, I have no chance of being okay with it. Okay, we talked about this. Labor doesn't just come on in the middle of sleep. (laughs) You have some warning, and it builds up gradually. Yeah. So another thing that Ange has been dealing with, though, is being woken up in the middle of the night pretty much every night at three yeah i think we've talked about this before it stopped for a little while which was nice and now it's come back but last night some sort of magic happened and you slept for the whole night i did i slept from when was it like 11 30 till 7 30 wow 
Oh my God. That's like amazing. So rare. Well, it's because, okay, it's difficult to get comfortable at this point now. Oh yeah. Third trimester, you guys. Hey. So it's hard to get comfortable. And I also am like constantly worried about my position because as soon as I like lie on my side, she immediately starts kicking at the bed. And so I'm like, well, I must be like squishing her. So then I like roll over on my back and I can't stay like that for very long because I just don't sleep like that normally so then I roll over to my other side she starts kicking at that being like no fucking move so I don't know what to do I'm just constantly like trying to make things comfortable for her maybe she doesn't even care and it's just like a coincidence but I'm like I don't think it's a coincidence the minute I get into bed like when I get off work at three and I come home and I get into bed and I put my because you're always awake when I get home I put my hand around her belly and the baby kicks my arm like she's like get off get (laughs) off (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you put any sort of like pressure on my belly, she's like, fuck you guys. And there's no way that we're like squishing her. There's tons of room in there. Our midwife confirmed that yesterday. Yeah. It's more, it's probably just, I don't know. Must be like, get away. I don't have much room, but I want the room that I have. I keep telling her she's not in charge. (laughs) Not now and not for a while. Yeah. So I don't know. It must be some sort of communication. I think one thing that I wanted to talk about was cord blood situation. So what some people do is they will do delayed cord clamping. So after the baby's born, you just keep it attached to the umbilical cord, attach the placenta and let it kind of like drain into the baby until it stops pulsing. Yeah. Let the baby have their blood. Yeah. Or you can cut it right away and deny them of about... 30% of their blood volume. Or you can cut it right away and then donate it. And deny the baby 30% of their blood volume. So I think we know how Jackie feels. (laughs) I just, now that I, like, when you think about it, it's like, why would you take the baby's blood? Sure, you could donate it, but, like, you could also have your your baby, you know, donate blood the normal way in a couple weeks if that's really important, but most people wouldn't do that. So why would you do it in this way? I think... It's the it's the stem cells specifically in the the cord blood yeah, that maybe this specific that. kind of leukemia needs. I know, I get it. I understand the scientific reason for it, but I'm more concerned about our baby than I am about saving other people with our baby's blood. And I think that it's meant to have it. She's meant to have it. That's why it's there. It's there for her. I think she needs it, and I think it's really important for her to have it. I think I need to read up more on it. Why would you take her blood away from her? Because someone... Why don't you... If you feel so bad, why don't you just donate blood? Because... No, it's not. I'm fine. I would be happy to donate blood. Um, well, I haven't because I was so scared of needles, but I'm not as scared of needles anymore. Not as scared of needles anymore. So I'd be happy to do it. But the thing is, there's something very specific about cord blood. I know. That can only be used in certain people who don't respond from other transfusions i know and so it feels like you know our kid they've been cutting cords and doing not doing delayed cord clamping forever they didn't do it with me or you we're fine i don't have any like ill effects from it that i know of that's a terrible argument why not give it to someone who is maybe going to die okay so they also used to knock women out and do surgery and give get the babies out and those people are fine i mean objectively they're okay but we don't do that anymore because it's barbaric. Those people aren't okay. Those people are traumatized. 
the the babies, I mean, the babies are fine. They probably don't have a very strong connection with their mothers because that very important bonding period once they come out and the oxytocin that occurs when your baby is put on your chest and you can smell them and that incite that like creates oxytocin in your body is like very important but objectively like they're fine they're fine right i mean they don't they're not necessarily suffering because of it that's the same kind of argument i don't think that's a good enough argument to deny our baby the blood that she's supposed to have but are there any studies done showing that they actually need that blood are there any studies showing that they don't Okay, wait. What does the placenta do? It takes the baby's blood out of it and filters it and puts it back in? Like, how is it? Is it blood? It's the baby's blood. It's not the mother's blood. The baby's blood. I know it's not the, the mother's blood, but okay, it's so not just like it, this but, one way. But if it's, not the baby's, if it's not the mother's blood, then it's the baby's blood. But what does the what's the placenta doing ba- with the baby's blood? Like, how is it? Like it what's stores it, doing? it and it filters it. It filters it through the walls of the placenta, through the lake of the mother's blood that washes against the side of the placenta. And then it puts it back into the baby's blood and then, or yeah. into the baby's body and then takes out more and filters it. Why is it constantly needing to filter the blood? Because babies don't breathe. They need oxygenated blood constantly. Right. Babies aren't breathing having their lungs do that yet. So that's the thing is that there's a delay between when the baby's body is fully capable of doing all these things. So cutting the cord right away is denying them all these nutrients, all this blood that has been keeping them alive and keeping them going for nine months. And there's no reason not to give it to them. And this idea that like, okay, I understand you could help people with it, but what if it's putting our baby in jeopardy to not have it? I, I don't know why it's her responsibility to, like, help other people before she's even been out for, like, a minute. <laughs> yeah. I just don't agree with it. I, I really love the idea of helping other people. You know that. And I'm all for science. And if they can take the cord and the placenta afterwards, after we've done the, like, delayed clamping and have some use from that, they can have it. But I really think she deserves to have all of her blood. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it that way, it's weird, right? It's weird that you're like, mm, nope, you've got enough blood. That's fine. Your body will make more. So we're just going to take the rest of this. Yeah, I guess I was thinking of it more of as like a one-way street where it was just like, I'm giving you nutrients and oxygen. I'm giving you nutrients and oxygen. Mm-hmm. And then you're out and you have nutrients and oxygen on the outside. Why do you need that anymore? But I guess if it is, it's taken part of her blood and it's filtering it to put it back in, mm-hmm. then yeah, that makes sense because then she... Isn't going to have all her blood. Blood? Well, yeah. well you can you can it. do some research. If you come up with something very convincing, then... I'm definitely but not... There hasn't, but there hasn't been a lot of things that I've been very adamant about. Are you adamant? I'm pretty adamant. Oh. I just think, like, so many things could go wrong. You never know. Birth is, like, very traumatic for babies. It's a huge change. And if there's anything that's going to, like, bolster her or, like make her more robust, I would like that. I want her to have the absolutely very best chance. Okay. 
I'm definitely not going to do the burning of the cord, though. No, that's just, that's more of like a ceremonial thing that people like to do because it's like commemorative and I don't know. I don't think you need to burn it. Just fucking cut the thing. (laughs) Do you want me to cut it? Sure. Do you want to cut it? I don't know. Kind of grosses me out a little bit. Oh. I know it's supposed to be some sort of honor, but it kind of squicks me out a little bit. I want you to knot off with your teeth. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. That's so gross. No, let's, okay, let's involve the cats. They can like bat it around for a little while and then chew it off. How, how, what do you think at this point about having your placenta encapsulated so that you can take placenta pills? Uh, I think it's bullshit. Sorry. Nope. Sorry. I don't know that the science is behind it, but I kind of, at this point, come down on the side of, like, well, it can't hurt. Yeah, I know that, and I've been thinking that as well. I mean, Even if there's, like, a slight chance that it could improve um, postpartum, why not? Yeah. You don't have to, like, fry it up and eat and, like... But, oh, my God, in our prenatal class, our um, teacher was telling us that there are some instances when, like, if the mother's having, like some sort of health issue or is like you know anemic or is really struggling that they will literally take a piece of the placenta like raw and put it in her mouth and she will happily chew it because it's what she needs and it like helps Ew. <laughs> like I, I i can understand that on a primal level because really because birth, sometimes you just want a good placenta in your mouth no i just think like we're animals you know we are mammals and that part of us comes out when you're doing something as, like, instinctual as giving birth. And I can kind of conceptualize it like that. But then when I actually think about you gnawing on some bloody placenta, it makes me want to barf. If I have to gnaw on placenta, you have to gnaw on placenta. Uh, why? Okay? That would not help. It's not fair. <laughs> Just, like, that's silly. You that's jump, silly. I jump, remember? You want to be part of everything. You jump, I jump, Jack. You come to every midwife appointment. You are at every IUI. Now you have to eat placenta. Okay, but I can't physically push her out of my... Are you going to taste my bread milk? My bre- <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to make m- bread out of it? <laughs> oh my God, can you do that? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to taste my breast milk? Why? It Sure. Oh my God, we should do it on the podcast. Why? Why is that such a big deal? It's not weird or gross or scary. I'm not going to take it from the nipple. (laughs) Way to make it boring. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, you're not going to breastfeed me if that's what you're thinking. God damn it, Jackie. I thought this was the only reason we were having a baby. I did read an article about a woman who breastfeeds her 36-year-old husband. Why? And he'll come home and be like, I need it. And she'll like lie down with him in the bed and he'll like breastfeed. Why? I don't know. And then he says, Ew! Like, okay. five times and out of I'm six, not, it will lead to sex. Ew. I'm not saying that breastfeeding is gross, but that <laughs> is fucking gross. And it's not supposed to be a sexual thing. Ew, to make... I don't the know. wife was like, it's so amazing when I when I breastfeed him to sleep. It's like, fuck. Why would you want to do that? Like, you already have a kid. Why would you want a f- grown man? A kid? I don't know. I mean, I I'm assuming she had a kid at some point. They didn't actually really talk about her kid, but I'm like... <laughs> Could you imagine if there was no kid? She just <laughs> took the pills that made her produce milk? That would actually make me feel better. Yeah, maybe. Because then it's, like, purely sexual. It's not, like... 
I don't know. It's like it's I, <laughs> I want to be accepting and respectful and sex positive of like everyone else's kinks. But that just <laughs> makes me feel the way that scat makes me feel. It's just like, ew. yeah, no, thank you. No, thank you. It's so grody. <laughs> we are done our prenatal classes. Uh-huh. Good experience overall. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're considering a home birth, which I hope all of you consider if you're eligible to do so. And if you're not, that's okay. I mean, we're you're going to have an awesome birth too. No, totally. But I just think it's like worth doing, like looking into. I'm not saying you have to do it. Obviously, I don't have that authority. Um, and also, get a doula. Oh man, get a doula. Yes. Even here, where we have very civilized medical practices there's still things that are part of protocols that are not like I think a lot of the time like medical protocols aren't as up to date as you'd want them to be because it takes a while for things to catch up to the science and so there's even certain things like the eye ointment that they put on baby's eyes it's totally pointless unless unless you're like a huge like a person who sleeps around a lot unless you're engaging in a lot of risky sex while you're pregnant yeah the so let me let me just backtrack here. So the reason that they do that is for gonorrhea and syphilis. It helps protect the babies from contracting those things if the mother has it. Which, However, if you're going through a fertility clinic, which I'm sure many of you are, they probably checked you for that. They have to. And even if you're not going through a fertility clinic, even if you're straight and you just got pregnant, like, you know, quote unquote, the normal way. Or you have a known donor and you didn't go through a medical system. The minute any healthcare provider finds out you're pregnant, they test you. So you already know that you don't have those things. So why are we treating babies for something that is so unlikely? Unless, like, they literally say, like, unless you have reason to believe you would have contracted those things from the time you got tested when you found out you're pregnant and when the baby comes out, which for most people is very unlikely. There's no reason for it. But medical practitioners have to offer it. Whereas a doula can come in and say, that's not necessary. You don't need that. And here's why. It's really nice to have somebody who's um, not obligated to do things just because of a protocol. Yeah. And also, I think some people are kind of weary of doulas because they feel like they're going to replace their partner's position in the birthing process, which is not the case at all. I think many, many doulas respect that and actually support they're your like, partner in helping you. They're there to support me to support you. Yeah, they're there basically. to support both of you and to be like, hey, this is what you can do for her. This is what... And then to do the things that your partner can't do because they're caring for you, like make tea or get you water or... Or let you go to the bathroom. Yeah, just anything. So it's not going to be infringing on your partner's ability to be a really active part of your birth. So don't worry about that. Or if that is an issue for you, like bring it up with the duel and they'll explain to you how... They go about that relationship. So we ha- there was a couple that was our, du- our, our teacher, our doula. She's a doula. Um, she was one of they were her clients. And they came in and told us their birth story. And it was so cool. It was such an amazing, like their son was only, what, six weeks old? Yeah. So it was still very fresh. And it was like so honest. And it was so wonderful hearing this woman tell us about like her inner monologue what was going on in her head versus what other people were seeing. And she was telling us, and this I found so like wonderful. She was telling us like, I was thinking like wanting people to read my mind. And then 
feeling like, oh, I can't do this and having, she had like a lot of self-doubt. That was a lot of her like inner monologue was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. So then she would have, the doula would tell her husband to say something to her and he would say exactly what the doula would say. And she was like, I knew that he was just parroting whatever she was saying, but it was so helpful because he was saying, just tell her to focus on this one. Just focus on this one. You can do this. You're amazing. You're doing great. Like that's basically all the partner needs to do is to reassure the person who's birthing that they can do it, that they're strong, to focus on what's happening right now because you can do anything for a minute. You're going to get a break. It's going to be okay. Like, that's what they need. That's what they need. That is, like, almost all of what they need. They need to be hydrated. They need to be fed. They need to rest when they can, and they need someone to tell them that they're doing great. Like, that's pretty much all you need for a good birth. It was so great to hear that, like, even if you're in that position where you're like, fuck, what do I say? She's freaking out. Nothing I do seems to be making her feel better. That there's somebody else there saying, "Okay, you need to do this right now. Go tell her this. Go rub her back. Go put her in this position. Go tell her you love her. And I'm like, I feel so much more confident in in going into the birth process, knowing that I have that support. And I'm so thankful I'm so thankful that we have a doula and I know some of you might think like it's a it's an extra cost but I think they're worth so much more than they cost. Yeah, definitely. If you're interested in those prenatal classes, it's We Birth at Home. And you can google it and it's put on by a woman named Jess. She's fantastic. Mhm. Fantastic. I like honestly Very can't knowledgeable. Say She's um actually going to feature us on her blog, so we'll let you know once we finally get our shit together to <laughs> write that because we haven't done it yet. Yeah, but we will. And as always, if you have any questions, we're always reachable via our Facebook page or email or. Yeah. We did get some Facebook messages, but I don't know if we're going to get to them today. But if you're feeling alone and you're feeling isolated and you're having a hard time with this. Um, reach out, reach out to your queers, to people you don't know, <laughs> like us, <laughs> just reach out because it can do wonders to hear someone else say, I, I get it. I know how that feels and I'm, I'm struggling too. And, and we're going to be okay. And we're here for each other and we love you. And we're you know? here for you and we love you. Yeah. We love each and every one of you, even though we don't know you all. Mm-hmm. All right. So hopefully next week there won't be any mass tragedies that we need to cry about. Yeah. We'll be more upbeat next week. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? What? Next week's my birthday. Oh, and next week I will be th- 29. 29 weeks. I'm 28 weeks right now. Are we done? Yeah. All right. Orlando Proud. Let's just not do the podcast at all. The <laughs> Baby Mama's Podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Baby Mamas Podcast. Make sure to like them on Facebook and give them a great review on iTunes. Have a good day.